What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 112 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't answer the question first. I'm not answer the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we begin our winter break film review series with an in-depth review of Ferdinand, a new animated children's film that is being hailed as an animal rights tale. We'll find out if it lives up to that title. Yes, we will, Paul. But before we talk about what it is, this thing that we're doing right now, I want to give a quick shout out to some Beardos we met. Our last episode was our live podcast recording, which was at the Compassion Fest Holiday Market in Hamden, Connecticut. And the day didn't quite go as planned. There was somewhat of a snowstorm, not quite a blizzard, but certainly not something I would be out driving in if I had the choice to, to not do so. Yeah. So we were you know, looking at the forecast and saying, there's going to be no one here. We're just going to be talking to ourselves. <laughs> Won't be that different from our usual routine yeah. in that regard. But a bunch of Beardos showed up and we got to record this episode, which is already out now. Hopefully you've heard it. But just wanted to say that we had a ton of fun doing that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who showed up and braved the winter storm. And uh, for those who didn't, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so thank you for that. It was really cool because pretty much everyone in the audience seemed to already like be fans of the show. There was a bunch of beardos out there. So we never know who's going to show up. So it was definitely a very pleasant surprise. And wanted to give a shout out to the beardos that did come up to us at the Compassion Code table and, and make themselves known. We gave them buttons and stickers. So thank you very much to Liz, Nicole, Monica, Christine, Abby, Jeff and Ashley, Stephen Taylor, Ron and Elizabeth, and another Abby. <laughs> a lot of pairs. Yeah, doubling up on the Abby as well. And then also the next day, I went down to Brooklyn for the vegan market at the Market Hotel had a lot of fun there snagged that peaceful provisions those donuts are just so good Mm -hmm. i feel like we can't keep talking about them but they had this maple pine infused donut that was incredible i had the the apple pie the one that was stuffed with apple pie filling oh good stuff i think it was honestly one of the best donuts i've ever had it's really it is amazing and you know it's interesting because here we are talking about it but (laughs) it's interesting because the donuts have holes in them so you wouldn't think that they could fill that donut now granted they are very large donuts. <laughs> but I realized that because there's the hole in the middle, so you're not just getting this big glob of filling for a couple of bites. You're actually getting the perfect amount of filling mm-hmm. in every single bite you take of the donut. Every bite. So good. And also, so Vegicano had mm-hmm. these shawarma chos. They're like nachos, but instead of tortilla chips, they were pita chips. And it was like all kind of shawarma type toppings so on top. Good. Amazing. Amazing. Anyway getting off track thank you to the beers that showed up kim julie nikki diana jennifer and randy thank you yeah thank you for coming out it's always always a pleasure to say hi to the beardos we'll be doing a live events veg fest markets or tapings for some quite some time so it was really nice to get the last bit of one last injection of beardos yeah <laughs> so andy Yes, Paul. Today we we've we've talked about this. I don't think we talked about this in the live episode, but the episode before we talked about how we're going to be taking a few weeks off of our normal normally scheduled program and kind of do some retro film reviews. Yeah, and we explained this a bunch in episode one ten, so we won't go over it too much. But if you missed that episode. We decided that instead of taking our usual hiatus for a month where we put out no episodes whatsoever, I know I get bummed out when the, <laughs> the, the podcasts that I love do that. So we thought we'd still put out something and something that's actually that we love to do, which is a mm-hmm. film review. And we're taking this as an opportunity to revisit older films that we we missed or i've seen paul hasn't seen i haven't seen it in a really long time and we thought it'd be really cool to revisit them with the perspective that we have of having reviewed all these other films in the meantime and seeing how they hold up would we still recommend these films what do we like what do we not like 
And most of them are going to be, ret- we're going to call it our retro film review series. They're all older films that came out prior to the podcast being a thing. And that was the plan, too. <laughs> that, was, that, that was certainly the plan. We started recording episodes and, and like giving them numbers. And then this, this, this episode that we're doing today, a film just sort of fell into our laps <laughs> because every, every vegan outlet was promoting it as this big animal rights film. The film, of course, is Ferdinand. And it came out... Today, we saw a 10.35 a.m. showing of this film, and uh, I love a nice early film. I love a nice early film of the day, Paul. Three other people in the theater. Yes. So we're going to do, uh, we're just going to get straight to the review at this point. That's going to be the format that all the other episodes following this will take. And yes, just Andy kind of referenced it, but just in case it's not, just in case this happens, We've already recorded a couple other ones, and we may have referenced for one of the other ones that this is the first one that we're doing. <laughs> so, but we're going to put this one chronologically first. So, if you listen to that one and you're like, "Wait a second, they already did one," that's that's what happened. I just explained it in a very confusing <laughs> manner, but hopefully, yeah, that we're sense. recording these all out of order. It's very memento style. But <laughs> anyway, with that said, let's get to our review of Ferdinand. Yep, that's me. I'm Ferdinand. Ferdinand is like a very big. Holy beefaroni, you're ginormous. More me to love. Very strong. You ready to put those wings to work? Launch. Oh, no. You shot Maria into the sun. Sorry. Family of pet. <laughs> Who's my good boy? Hey, I thought I was the good boy. But if the world sees Ferdinand as one thing, a fighter. I am here to select a bull. My hands are my instruments, as are my arms, legs, chest, and buttocks. Uh, nope, I'll pass, thanks. All right, so Ferdinand, since this is a new film that's coming out, even though it's based off of a very old book that came out in 1938 and then subsequently a short film from from Disney, so it's not really much to spoil, but obviously they turned a small book into a full-length movie. There's a lot of things that are different. So we're going to do a general thought section, and Mm -hmm. then we'll do a spoiler section I don't think there's anything in this film that's like wildly off base that you couldn't predict was going to happen, <laughs> even if you haven't read the book or seen the, the short film that is based on. But for those that like to sort of get a general idea, would we recommend it or not? We'll do a general section, then a spoiler section. So I'm going to read the plot synopsis from IMDb, which says, after Ferdinand, a bull with a big heart, big heart bull. bull with a big heart, is mistaken for a dangerous beast. He is captured and torn from his home. Determined to return to his family, he rallies a misfit team on the ultimate adventure. The ultimate, the adventure. ultimate adventure. So this is a film that stars such names as John Cena. You can end there. <laughs> Kate McKinnon, Anthony Anderson, Peyton Manning, David Tennant, Gabriel Iglesias, among others. Mm-hmm. But those are, are probably the most prominent ones. So so a lot of, lot of big names. I don't think we've seen John Cena is, is voicing an animated role, to my knowledge. Could be totally wrong on yeah. that, but at least not in sort of this main character role. So... Paul, we we just saw this film mm-hmm. in the theater, and then we also we just watched after seeing the film, we watched the original Disney film mm-hmm. that is only eight minutes long. What are your overall impressions of this film? As a film, it was it was okay. I I probably wouldn't watch again. I enjoyed it. I had an enjoyable experience. There was a decent amount of laughs. I thought it was a there were some genuinely funny moments. Uh, I don't think that. It's gonna be in the top of my animated films, like *Clyde with a Chance like of Meatballs* ever, too. Ever or for 2017? Ever, ever, ever. I or, mean, or 2017 a, probably. Yeah. Because have you seen more than 10 animated films in 2017, Paul? <laughs> so yeah, as a film, I, I wasn't. It, it didn't. It didn't for me. It didn't do anything different. It, it didn't kind of take any risks or anything. And then what's probably more important to discuss is, I don't believe it really pushed the animal rights messages as much as as much as it maybe could have i think and we can talk about this more i think that the the overall message was more about i would say masculinity and toxic masculinity rather than animal issues yeah i i agree with that uh, we'll certainly dive more into the themes in the spoiler section but I do believe that 
that media outlets were so vegan media outlets at least were so wanting to claim things as ours that the second one person reported this is an animal rights film everyone jumped on it yeah. oh this big animal rights film with john cena and kate mckinnon and it's this it's this big thing and everyone wants to be like it's ours and look at this animal rights are a mainstream thing but i don't i don't think it live up to that really at all for the yeah. for the most part there were little things that i think that would aid in growing someone's empathy for animals perhaps but yeah i agree that the central themes to me were were masculinity and pacifism i think was another big message in the film and i think there were also moments where they where an, an animal rights message was being dropped into their laps and they didn't kind of take that bait either yeah yeah no i totally agree with that as for my overall thoughts on the film, yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty delightful film to watch. I think it's entirely forgettable, even during the, the, <laughs> the like 30 or so minutes between seeing it and when we started recording. I'm having trouble remembering names of characters and exactly what happened. So it's it's just like a pleasant way to spend two hours sitting in a theater, munched on some popcorn. But I thought that the, you know, overall, the the voice acting was pretty solid. Yeah. You know, John Cena was as charming as he can be, I suppose, <laughs> as a bull. I thought Kate McKinnon, an absolute delight. Oh, that, I think that was the, she blew it, blew it away. She she was the show stealer. She, she was kind of acting as this, like, Robin Williams-esque kind of sidekick, like the genie in Aladdin. Oh, yeah, you're Like, right. just really kind of goofy. And I guess that's the point. That's, like, every sidekick in these films. Yeah. But just, I think especially I just loved her introduction when she's kind of assessing Ferdinand and his physique. Yeah. And, and oh, like, yeah. mama-like and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, th- I feel like that was sort of peak, Lupe was her character. That was peak Lupe at that point. Yeah. And then I don't think she ever quite was as funny from then on, but still had so many great moments. And also kind of reminded me of some a role that like Ellen would get like oh, back yeah, in the day. Like definitely. very, just the voice alone. She it wasn't quite her standard voice. It felt very Ellen-esque mm-hmm. in like Finding Nemo or something. Yeah. I do feel like the, that character of Lupe, they like hit that character real strong when she was introduced and even like in that scene and then the scene after in the like the the stable she was still going pretty strong the macarena flower yeah (laughs) but then but then like you said it kind of i feel like the film was like all right we've she's had her moment now she's just kind of like gonna drop off a little bit and have these lines every once in a while but nothing as like hard-hitting as when she's introduced and they kind of set up her as having this ability to sort of cough up things that are helpful and I thought that was going to be like a central thing that would like help oh, later yeah. on. And it doesn't ever really come back except for this moment with the whistle, which is more for laughs. It's not for any sort of strategic or, or helpful thing. But I guess we can talk about that more in spoilers. <laughs> yeah, you're spoiling the best, <laughs> the best parts of the movie. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, again, a very enjoyable, fun film. I expected to like it less than I did. So maybe Ooh. I had low expectations. I, I Going in, I was thinking this is probably be kind of fun low-tier animated film kind of thing, but certainly not an animal rights message was sort of my expectation going in. And I was like, let me be pleasantly surprised. And I I wasn't in that regard. But in terms of a lot of laughs, they delivered on that. And Mm -hmm. I I think that something that is... They had to overcome this is how do you turn a book that is 800 words that apparently takes about 10 minutes to read and like a short film that's eight minutes long... How do you turn that into not even an hour and a half, but an hour and 47 minutes? And the answer is pad the hell out of it. Put all these goofy, wacky side characters into the film and these weird sort of diversions that almost make the film feel episodic at times, like a dance off (laughs) and a a visit to the I, I loved this. This is one of my favorite sequences was the bull in the china shop sequence. Yeah which happens kind of early on. And there's just all these sort of like little episodic things that don't really add to the story necessarily, but they're just like a funny moment. If you don't think about too hard, oh, this I'm enjoying a dance off between these bulls and these horses now. <laughs> Dutch horses or <laughs> German, German horses. German horses. And, and, and so I, I wonder if all that padding was necessary for this film. Some of the characters I felt like were entirely forgettable. 
like they already had these goofy people and they kept adding more goofy characters in. Yeah. So there's this trio of, of hedgehogs that could have been amazing. And I just feel like they didn't really land the way that they should have landed, but yeah. you already had these goofy, the goofy Lupe, the goat and the goofy Scottish cow. Yeah. And, and all of these characters that, that they didn't really need to be there. They aid in, you know, helping them do some tasks, I guess, but they, they, they weren't, it almost felt like they were trying to have them be like the minions of this film as this like really cute animal that they could turn into a toy and sell and do all these things with. Yeah. But to me, they never really made an impression. And I feel like they could have easily taken them out. They could have cut down certain parts and made it a nice tight 90 minutes instead. So I guess with that said, unless you have anything else to say in, in general thoughts section, we can move into spoilers. Let's do it. All right. So spoilers for Ferdinand, a children's movie rated PG, starting right now. Hey, hey, come on, come on. I haven't seen it yet. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Still, still, I like to go in fresh. So, Andy, I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to start off, start off hard. There is, I'm going to start off with what I believe to be the most animal rights portion of the movie, which is that uh, whenever, so the bulls live in this this compound that's specifically they're being bred to be fighting bulls for bullfighting. And if they are not living, if they're not up to par, they get sent to like a, the chop house, the chop house, which is located comically close to this bull facility. <laughs> like, like they, you sort of, they hype it up as if it's gonna be like this long journey to the slaughterhouse and they just sort of pan the camera over. It's <laughs> yeah. right there. It's like half a mile but away. It, I don't even think they were trying to play that for laughs. It just, I think it was just for convenience sake. Yeah. It's something that they conveniently needed close for another thing that happens later yeah. in the film. And so, so yeah, the, the first time it happens, the first time it happens, this, this one bull that kind of messes up He's like Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton Manning, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I got picked to be. He's like, I don't know how I got picked to be in the bullfight because all the bulls are they want to be in the bullfight besides yeah. Ferdinand. And he's like, oh, I don't know how I got picked to be in the bullfight. And then they close the they like close the trailer that he's being put in, and you see it's like the the meat cuts. Yeah, and like and, the the diagram that you would yeah, see at like a yeah. butcher's. This is the flank. This is the whatever. Which was also, I feel like that was a joke. Because because his head the way that his head is standing the way that they close the diagram it like lines up perfectly with him, it's a visual gag but I think it's meant to land as something horrible. But his face is so like because like, he has this goofy like proud face on, yeah. and then it closes. I think that that was supposed to be a joke, and I remember thinking it's poor poor taste. It but but then all the other animals see that and realize something horrible is going to happen to him. So, so yeah, it's like this visual gag. And maybe it's just the fact that we view animal slaughter as a horrific thing. <laughs> but to me, it didn't, it, it, the reaction from the other animals that showed like, oh, he's dead now. This is not yeah. good for him. And so, so that happens and he gets taken away and presumably butchered, which they don't, they don't end up showing. And they then, just leave cows hanging around for like a day, week, yeah, just, just yeah. until it just, that made no sense whatsoever. It's very convenient for the story. So, so then later on, many, many scenes later, the, the main, I guess, one of the antagonists of the film, which is another bull that's... What like, was his name? Supremo or... Uh, Valiente? Valiente, I think, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I called yeah. him Val. So another bull that's kind of... that butts heads with Ferdinand <laughs> literally and figuratively he gets he gets injured and his horn gets his horn part of his horn gets taken off so they send him to the slaughterhouse as well and Ferdinand being the good guy he is decides to rescue decides to rescue him and they end up rescuing him and then they find Peyton Manning's character still there who saved who Paul <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, the thing to me is that the, where I where I I know, I know this is a kids movie, but it's like everything is happy. Everything works out. It's not really sad. It, yeah. And and I feel like that was part of the missed opportunity because they go into this this slaughterhouse that there's all these machines that don't they don't convey they're not scary. There's a there's one buzzsaw. I thought they were kind of scary, but I also thought that 
the first one they encounter is not one that would make any sense to have. Yeah. It's just like a crusher. It's one and, of those and like presumably it's the first thing a cow would meet. Yeah, and it's just like crush. Like what's the what? Why would that yeah. be useful for anything? And, and that's another reason why I feel like it was a very inaccurate portrayal of of a slaughterhouse there was no other animals besides the other two characters that we knew no No blood blood. everything was like sparkly clean and then again there's this comical crusher that this pulverizer thing that you see that in in like i could i could find a spongebob episode where he's going through some trap house or something and there's one of those like there he has to he has to go through it's like that's not a that's not like a scary thing because we see that in so many other cartoons. Like I said, there was the buzzsaw, but that scene, the, the, they go over the buzzsaw, like they, they get a, around that obstacle relatively quickly. Yeah. The only other thing is the tenderizer, which they're like, oh, it's a nice massage. So it's like, there's nothing, I feel like there's nothing realistic and nothing frightening and nothing disturbing about this location, which I thought it was pretty frightening. I think I, a child would think that was frightening when Ferdinand steps in there, they immediately set this frightening tone where they show that like the fan spinning and in the window and it's like this creepy and their shadows and stuff. I feel like they set it up, but then everything just gets resolved so fast and then everyone is safe and everyone's okay. And I don't know. I just, I, I felt like it was a missed opportunity both to make the movie more interesting because Besides the very beginning of the movie, in classic classic animated movie style, they do something really sad right at the beginning. Everyone must be an orphan for anything interesting to happen, yeah. Paul. <laughs> so in the very beginning of the movie, uh, f- when Ferdinand's still a little a little calf, is that? A little, yeah, young bull. Young know. bull? <laughs> uh, his, a his, baby. A baby bull. A baby Ferdinand. Baby bull. Baby bull. His dad goes off to to do a bullfight and never comes back so he's, he's presumed dead and that's it's very sad and it's emotional but that's kind of like the only that's the only time where death is faced by any of these characters and 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 it's like even when they allude to it like oh this this is very sad because this bull is being sent off Peyton Manning is being sent off to to get killed. Even when they allude to it later on, they're like, "No, just kidding, that doesn't happen." Even when the the other bull gets sent off and it's very sad, they're like, "No, just kidding, that doesn't happen." It's like there's never anything else. They never have to face anything super duper sad. I got I choked up at the very very end when when the bullfighter's holding the sword right yeah, in front of him. Yeah, and and but know, don't you think that was them kind of facing death? Like that was a very scary thing. And when he when he comes with I, I'm don't know the terminology but like the the poker sticks that are kind of decorated up and he's gonna use those at first and like to me that's a scary moment but i didn't i didn't feel i wasn't worried for ferdinand yeah this is not game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) but but andy imagine if they just killed ferdinand no 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 no. listen hear me out i i I know that this is a pg movie so i knew that they were not going to do this but i feel like it would have been this because this is the scene that I pictured in my head while it was happening. And I was like, no, there's no way they're going to do this. But and they didn't. But what I was picturing in my head, because there's a scene at the very end where Ferdinand's in the middle of the bullring and he's smelling. There's a flower in there and he's smelling the flower and it brings him back to when he was free and he was on the hill smelling the flower. And he gets cut back to it by getting stabbed. That's what I thought was going to. I thought that I thought that the scene <sighs> was brutal. I thought the scene was going to be he's like he's been captured again and he's been and he's like wanting wanting his freedom and then he's still in this bullring he's still captured but he has this flower and he smells it and it and it takes him back to his freedom and then like that's and then that's when he gets killed and it's kind of like i think that that would have been obviously i knew that wasn't going to happen <laughs> but i think that would have been so powerful and i was getting choked up just thinking about it happening when i was in the movie theater it's messed up man (laughs) yeah i mean yeah what can they get away with you know i'm waiting for the hard r version of ferdinand (laughs) but yeah what can they get away with in a children's film that would convey these messages i think i think that the film did sort of accurately show that animals value their lives and don't want to feel pain and will do what they as anything they can to escape pain. So I think I think to me that's about as far as the animal rights message kind of goes, but I think that 
you get that from almost every film that has animated animals yeah, because yeah. that's that's a story like the peril there's danger it doesn't always have to mean death but usually there is sort of the threat of bodily harm to them in whatever it might be or like these bad consequences so i don't think it was like so far beyond what we normally see that we could classify as an animal rights film but i do to me i did think that the slaughterhouse was horrific obviously it's not as horrific as like i'm thinking like oakjaw had a depiction and they actually showed other dead super pigs yeah in that and they showed one getting shot with the captive bolt gun so that was horrific but yeah they're not going to be able to have like blood splatters on the walls but i do think I do think they should have killed Peyton Manning's bull. I think that there's no reason for him to be saved. Yeah, and and I think they could have alluded to other things, like he could have heard other animals in like a scary way, like yeah. heard other animals crying or something like that, and or heard like a buzzsaw or something. Something. I think that they could have done different things that alluded to what actually goes on without actually showing it. That maybe would have been acceptable, and maybe they did have that, and then. They tested it out, and someone at and one of the corporation corporate heads was like, "No, this is too much." Yeah. Do you think that it conveyed the horror of bullfighting? Well, here's the here's the thing, and I was, this is what I was just going to ask you, Andy. Was do you think that the the amount that Ferdinand does not want to bullfight, and and how they're forcing him to do it, and I think that's where the 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 animal conversation could come in is is like this is an animal that does not want to do this and you're forcing him to do it is that overshadowed by the fact that every other animal character is complicit in this and wants to do these things all the other bulls want to fight yes so it's it's interesting because it does something that i think a few other films have done i'm thinking most recently perhaps about i think the movie is called food fight Right, the one with like Seth Rogen as a hot dog and Kristen Wiig. I never as a saw bun. it, but yeah. But essentially, the the plot of that is all there's this anthropomorphic food in a grocery store, and they view the humans coming and picking them as being like they're the chosen one. They're taken to heaven essentially, and they're going to live this amazing life. And then there's this moment when the horror of what's actually going to happen to them is realized. Are we in the spoiler Vi- section for very, food fight? Vivid, very vividly. That's all in the trailer. It's all in the trailer <laughs> for that. But so it's it's kind of the same thing where that I mean, that's kind of what ever since like Toy Story came out, that's what a lot of animated films are. It's like, what about the secret world of XYZ? And so, you know, like what would they be thinking? How would their society function? And that's kind of what this was. Like, what would it be like to be a bull? Would they be horrified about getting taken away? No, they probably think it's some prestigious thing. Although they never put it together that literally no bull has ever returned. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, and I guess their their narrative they tell themselves is, well, those bulls were just weak. You know, they they weren't able to kill the matador. But anyway, so I think that because they play it off like the bulls are ignorant to what's actually going to happen to them, it makes sense that perhaps they would they would still that they do that storyline that they really want to be a part of it that they're complicit that these horrible aggressive animals but is the message then that they deserve to die or it's okay if they are that way and it's not okay because ferdinand isn't that way and doesn't want to participate that's kind of the message that I get from it. It was that, well, if it was some other bull that they sent in there and he's trying to mess up the matador, it would be okay because the matador mm-hmm. is defending himself and yeah. it's part of this cultural tradition. And and I think that it does a disservice to bulls by portraying them as such. And in fact, shortly before watching this, Paul, you brought up a promo video from The Gentle Barn. And for those who missed episode 109, we talked about this promotional strategy where Ferdinand, the film, teamed up with Zevia, the drink. <laughs> okay. And and The Gentle Barn, which is a, a farmed animal sanctuary that's in California and in Tennessee. And they brought in a rescued bull, named him Ferdinand, and put like their Ferdinand branding on his stall. And and in this video, Ellie, the 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 founder of the gentle barn talks about how it's this misconception that bulls are these aggressive animals. 
and it's kind of like how we you know the perception of say sharks as being this these horrible man eaters yeah. and they come to eat humans as if we're not the ones encroaching upon their territory you know like if you're ever bitten by a shark it's because you're trespassing it's not because and i don't mean to get victim blame or anything but like <laughs> if we stay on land where we belong then we're not going to get bit by sharks kind of thing and it's like it's like there's this idea that it's okay to eat shark's fin soup and it's okay to kill sharks because there's these vicious killers. And I feel like this film is almost doing the same thing. Like these bulls are horrible and it's going against what the gentle barn thinks they're trying to promote that, that bulls are gentle creatures. This film is just promoting that there's an anomaly Mm -hmm. that there is one bull that would rather smell the flowers than not. And, and I think they could have, they could have changed that. They were close I think they were close to addressing that issue at the very end of the movie because at the very end, the whole gang of bulls all get to live with Nina, right? Lily. Lily. Lily? Lily. No. Nina is played by Lily. Okay. Sorry. I was looking up, I was looking up actress names. Yeah. So at the, end of the, at the end of the movie, after Ferdinand chooses not to fight in the bull ring, all the other bulls that are in his like crew that were living at that compound, they all get to live with Nina the little girl that's friends with Ferdinand. And I think they had the opportunity to be like, and then from now on, like they realized no bulls don't actually want to fight. And it shows other bulls. Yeah. It shows other bulls like not fighting. And, and then it like, you know, the newspaper bullfighting ends, blah, blah, blah. Like they could have, they could have generalized it or they could have even just had those specific bulls in the crew. It, 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 I guess it, it alludes to the fact that they no longer are like this before, but I don't think it hits that home. Another time when they sort of start to go in that direction is the dance off, which was very superfluous, but I thought pretty funny. Yeah. But they have some of the bulls like enjoying the dancing and like, Oh, this is nice. I could do this. And then they're, and the one smiling, the one smiling. Yes, yes, yes. So great. (laughs) The Franken bull was one of my favorites. And, and this moment where they're experiencing joy and like having fun and this is a nice thing to do. And then they're reminded, no, you have to do this or else you're going to go to the chop house. And and they could have like brought that back and shown that, you know, because Ferdinand, when he's talking to Valiente, Valiente is like, well, I don't want to sit around and sniff flowers. And he's like, and Ferdinand says, well, you don't have to do what I do. You can do your own yeah, thing. That was a really good but line. But you just don't have to, you don't have to fight. You don't have to be who you're you're told to be right now Mm -hmm. and so they could have done a montage at the end of this is what all the bulls discover that they like to do but they didn't do that yeah and in that in that dance-off scene afterwards when they're all like oh this is so great i think one of them says they're laughing and and one of them says this is the hardest i've laughed in ever yeah yeah and but andy is that that whole sequence and including those little lines afterwards, which I, I do think it was a good line that what Ferdinand said, which is you don't have to like, like you don't have to do what I do. Just do you, but do what you do. You don't have to do the thing you're told to do. Is that more a messaging of animal rights or is that just more of a messaging of be who you want to be? And, and we kind of alluded to this. I keep, I've used the word allude more than I've ever in my entire life in this episode already, but we've referenced this, very early on and before the spoiler section but is that again just promoting that message of of, of anti-masculinity anti-toxic masculinity is that more along going going along with that saying you don't need to be this tough you don't need to be this tough bull you don't need to be this tough man you can do the things that you want to do Yes, I mean, I think that it just stands as a message of individualism on its own. Yeah, but of course that's wrapped up in toxic masculinity because a lot of men we feel like we have to live up to a certain thing. We have to man up, or as they say in this film, bull up early on. Yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah, the, the three notes that I wrote down I wrote <laughs> bull up, and so to me the the fact that they include bull up was like clearly they're talking about masculinity. So in that regard, I actually thought it was great that john cena was the the lead Mm -hmm. role in this film and and i mean he's actually been picking some interesting roles for himself like a lot of comedic roles where he doesn't have to be this big tough action hero kind of guy yeah he's just coming out in in comedies and i just saw some other trailer where he is one of like the lead four people in a comedy not just even like a side character so 
So I think that maybe he maybe feels constrained by his giant muscular body and this sort of image that he has. <laughs> yeah. Much like Ferdinand, you yeah. know, like yeah, uh, yeah. people think because I have this big muscular body that I have to be a vicious fighter and like this brutal dominator of other bulls. And I just want to have fun. I just want to sit around and smell the flowers. Maybe John Cena feels that way, but at least something about it resonated with him mm-hmm. enough to say, I would like my fans to see this film and get that message. Yeah. So... I, and I don't know that much about John Cena. I just kind of enjoy his personality. I've, I guess a, a friend of ours had said mixed things about, <laughs> about who he is. I haven't really looked into it. I don't like follow his career. I don't really follow yeah. wrestling or anything. But but I think that it, it was like a message of individualism, a message of you don't have to be this big masculine person. You are totally valid on your own doing whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to sit around and smell flowers... That's fine. Something that's interesting is in the original film, the parental figure is his mother. And in this film, it's his father. So it feels like they're really trying to play into masculinity. This is what masculinity leads to. You're going to die. And and I think they had because in the very beginning of the movie, there was Ferdinand's father and then Valiente. Yeah. Valiente's father kind of representing two different like forms of how masculinity is passed down because yeah. Ferdinand's father is when Ferdinand as a little little baby bull says to him I don't want to do this Ferdinand's father is sympathetic towards that and just kind of says this is just this is just the way that it like he's like I'm sorry like I know you don't want to do this but this is just the way that it is yeah he says I, I wish the world worked that way for you Ferdinand yeah yeah but but he's still it's still kind of he's still passing down this you have to do this thing message yeah. but it's more sympathetic and then Valiente's father is the more kind of like stereotypically tough on his son like you need to be a you need to be a man or you need to bull up you need to like you need to do these things or I'm or I'm disappointed in you for not yeah. for not being these things and and as I will say this as a in terms of messaging like that message that they were trying to get across I think that they did they did a good job with that so it's like so. This is not a movie that I think did a tremendous amount for animal rights, but I I don't think that it did a lot to. We're like nitpicking it. I don't yeah. think most people are gonna watch this. I think that most people that watch this would be slightly, if they had no opinion about bullfighting, they would come out slightly less favorable about bullfighting. Yeah. I think bullfighting is already something that, at least in the U.S., a lot of people have a ill favor towards it anyways yeah and there are a lot of activists in the countries where bullfighting is most prevalent that are working to end it yeah i mean you see the footage of activists like running into the ring to stop the bullfight and then some pretty horrific things happen to them you know hoses and getting beat and carried off and all that stuff so but yeah it is certainly i feel like in the u.s it's as favorable as like rodeos. Like some people are really into it. And then a lot of people are like, that's a cruel, horrible tradition. Like why would you participate? So, so I think that in terms of the animal messaging, don't really think it does much to promote animal rights, but don't really think it does anything that's really would promote the bad message. People wouldn't take away the wrong message, but I do think it has some good things to say about, like we were saying, individuality and masculinity. So I, I think that this is, a good movie for for kids to see yeah i think it's it's interesting like you were saying there's the two portrayals of the different fathers and kind of says that there are people that actively push this and then there are those of us that are just sort of complicit in mm-hmm. the system and 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 both of those are not good like yeah. just because you're not valiente's horrible abusive father doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't harmful and isn't perpetuating yeah. a horrible system. So yeah, it's, I think I think there are good messages in this mm-hmm. film that, it, but it's just not. Yeah, it's not the animal rights film. I did come across something I thought was pretty interesting in terms of the reception and the themes of the original book. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you say that from watching the the short film that it's pretty much the same themes being carried over? No, I don't know. It's just it. They're certainly expanded upon a lot more yeah, in it, this significantly longer film. Maybe it's just because. No, I'm not going to discredit work pre 1940, but <laughs> but I, maybe it's. I was going to say maybe it's just because it was 1938 and like the, the the storytelling of an animated 
thing of an animated short is not as good as what I would watch today. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like they were pushing any messaging really hard in the in the film. Well, certainly the general public at the time <laughs> thought differently than that. When I watched the film, so one of the, I think the biggest differences, at least in terms of like messaging and, and like actions that happen in the film, in the current one that we just watched starring John Cena, the, the it ends in this, it ends in this big bullfighting ring where it seems like the matador is intent on carrying out what's happening and brings out these swords and all these things. And it's the crowd. And, and maybe this is the animal rights message. It's the crowd that says he doesn't want to fight, let him live. And so it's almost saying you need to stand up. You spectator, you're a part of the audience right now. You mm. need to be the person that stands up for these animals. And if the whole crowd didn't say anything, maybe the matador would have just killed Ferdinand because it's his big final fight against this ferocious beast. I have something to say about that, but continue with your thought. But in the short animated film, basically the matador is depicted as this crying baby who, who is, and as a baby, I am offended, but who, (laughs) who is so upset that Ferdinand won't fight that he throw he literally throws a tantrum and like, is like writhing around on the ground, like (laughs) crying. And then Ferdinand just gets carted off. Yeah. And, And, there's something very different about those two endings to me. What's the message of that? It well, I think at, if you look at it from a pacifist um, mindset, it's basically like don't hit them. Like they're gonna feel bad if if you don't fight back, that you're gonna channel something in them that they're not gonna want to fight you either, perhaps. And then you can just leave if you don't engage with them. If you don't quote sink to their level. I don't love that term, but like if you don't sink to their level, they're not going to want to fight you, and it's just going to be ridiculous for you to fight. And you, I think you see that in films a lot, where someone's just like to like the bully in high school, like hit me, just hit me, and like the bully is like, what? what's wrong with you? And then they, I don't want to fight someone that's not going to fight me. And it feels like it was kind of one of those moments that happened in this movie that we just saw for the 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 new Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah, that happened you're right, at the very right. beginning when when Ferdinand's a little kid and he tells Valiente who's trying to because all the kids are you know, rough and getting rough with each other. And Valentine's like, Oh, I'm going to hurt you. And, and Fernand's like, y- you can hurt me. Just don't hurt the flower. Don't hurt the flower. So he does say almost that exact same thing. Yeah. So what were you going to say about the audience? Yeah. So here's another reason. Here's something else that I thought that, that caught my attention that I was like, hmm, maybe this isn't so good for, for the animals. So, uh, so when Ferdinand is sitting, he, he, is refusing to fight. He's sitting in the middle of the bull ring and the matador, this is in the new movie, not the, not the original one. Mm-hmm. He's sitting in the, in the middle of the ring. The matador kind of is about to kill him. And he, the matador kind of like makes the gesture, like he's about to stab him. And then someone in the audience whistles yeah. and it kind of catches his attention. And then a bunch of other people whistle and everyone's like, no, don't kill him. Don't kill him. And they all start waving these white flags. Did you notice that? I didn't. A bunch of them take out these white flags and start raising them, wait, waving them. And as someone who does not know the 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 etiquette of bullfighting, to me, I took that as, and this might be something that we should have looked up before recording, <laughs> but this just popped into my head. To me, I took that as in these bullfights, people have this white flag just in case they don't want, in case people, the audience decides, no, we don't want the bull. We don't want the bull to die. That's what I took it as. Or if even if that wasn't the case, I thought that for some reason enough people had white flags, and and you know white flag is kind of seen as like the I, I surrender mercy yeah. type type of deal. So to me, I took that as this audience at this moment is saying no, we don't want this bull to die. But that's just a thing that happens. It happens frequently enough that everyone has this flag. But in other situations, those same people are going to be complicit in what normally happens in a bullfight. This is just something that occasionally happens in a bullfight. And we have this thing just in case this happens. But we're going to continue going to other bullfights. Yeah. um, As you were talking, I was doing a quick Googling and I can't find anything that indicates that 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 is the case, that this is like a common practice where the whole audience can kind of vote and weigh in on it with the white flag. So maybe, I don't know, there was people waving when in that scene, there was people waving flags. Maybe for some reason, my eye just got drawn to the the white flag. I didn't notice them at all. I didn't notice a single one. 
Maybe you imagined it. <laughs> Maybe I did, but but do, if if that was the case, do you kind of get what I'm I'm saying? I I took it when I took it as is. Oh, this is something like the audience can kind of participate in the event and be like, no, we don't want this bull to be killed. And if that's if that is the case, then that just means that this whole thing that happened to Ferdinand is a obviously he's not exactly a normal occurrence, but there's other occurrences where they'll say, no, we don't want you to kill the bull, the bull, but then. Normally, yeah, go ahead and kill the bull. So those same people in the audience in another event would be like, okay, let's actually kill the bull this time. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think that given that that doesn't seem to be the case and the fact that to me it still says it's up to you. If 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 that is the case, every audience goes there and still decides don't kill the bull, like that could be an action that people take. It still sort of puts it in the hands of the consumer. I guess, but they're, they're still participating in the event and i think even if they're not like if killing, they didn't pay to go in then there would be no bull brought in in the first place yeah. kind of thing well and also it's it's like they still enjoy the entertainment up until that point yeah and the entertainment itself even up to that point i think is not not great yeah another thing what did you think about cause, so so to get ferdinand to do anything they kind of like threaten him with some spears and and other people like waving flags around him and and in frightening him Mm -hmm. and so he's he does charge a few times because he's kind of being he keeps getting kind of herded in different directions and and the crowd's cheering because the bullfighter's doing his thing but then what happens is ferdinand ends up getting the the red what is it like a cape the red um yeah 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 the red cloth that stuck on his horns yeah he gets the red cloth stuck in his horns and then to this this enrages the bullfighter who then comes out with these two these two knives and holds them up next to his head and the the imagery that they're trying to create is this guy is the bull now yeah and and ferdinand is now the bullfighter with the the real bull (laughs) (laughs) with ferdinand is the bullfighter with the who now is waving doing the thing that the bullfighter does kind of moving out of the way but the bullfighter is now going through the red like the red the cape so but what's what is that message I wasn't sure. I like I picked up on that, but I wasn't exactly sure what they were trying to say. Is that just funny? Like, ah, the roles have reversed. Is that what they were it trying to get? Be, but I feel like that moment wasn't played for laughs. I feel like at that moment you're feeling the gravity of the situation. Yes. Ferdinand could die. Yes, we knew he wasn't because it's a PG movie. <laughs> but yeah, but so I, that's something I was wondering when I was watching it. I was like, what is? What's the point of? this thing happening or is it just I think it was just a gag yeah i guess i don't know it's a bit it's just just riffing on bits <laughs> it's just yes ending uh, so to, to go back that i as i was as i was going to bring up something about theme and public reception we went off on this this wonderful track but i want to do pull it back so this is actually from uh, the wikipedia page for ferdinand the the story of ferdinand which is the the book but I thought that this was really interesting because I do think that some of these themes do carry on over into the film. So this is talking about a Life magazine article from 1938. And it says, the article also noted that Ferdinand was accused of being a political symbol, noting that, quote, two subtle readers see in Ferdinand everything from a fascist to a pacifist to a burlesque sit-down striker. Others labeled the work as promoting fascism, anarchism, and communism. And I feel like fascism and anarchism are pretty diametrically opposed, <laughs> but uh, I continue on. The Cleveland Plain Dealer accused a book of corrupting the youth of America, while the New York Times downplayed the possible political allegories, insisting the book was about being true to oneself. The book was released nine months before the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War, and it, it does take place in Spain. It's almost really hard to tell that from the film. Like, it's pretty nondescript most of the time. But anyway, and was seen by many supporters of Francisco Franco as a pacifist book. It was banned in many countries, including in Spain, where it remained banned until Franco's death. In Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler ordered the book burned as a degenerate democratic propaganda. Well, it was the only American children's book available for sale in Stalinist era. Well, it was the only American children's book available for sale in Stalinist era Poland. 
It received particular praise from Thomas Mann, H.G. Wells, Gandhi, and Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt following the 1945 defeat of Germany during the Second World War. 30,000 copies were quickly published and given out for free to the country's children in order to encourage peace. Anyway, so so it, to me, this is a very it does have a very pacifist message. Yeah, and basically, like don't don't play their game, and yeah. so people perceive that as like a really like threatening thing to their way of life. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it's hard for me to put myself in the in the shoes of someone at that exact time, but I can see how I can see how if I was trying to promote a violent message that I would find <laughs> this book threatening. Yeah, it, it, it like interesting that that Hitler had it burned. It's yeah. like eight hundred page book that's just about a bull. Eight hundred word book. Yeah, sorry, an eight hundred word book that that just is about a bull that wants to sniff flowers. Yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah. So, it's so no James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> what is? It's <laughs> a real peach. So here's a random question before I bring up something more serious. Mm-hmm. Ferdinand runs away and meets this family, this this father daughter combo and the dog. Now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the film sets it up that the animals can talk to each other, but not to humans, because we do hear them making typical animal sounds when it's yes. viewed from the perspective of the humans. How does that family learn his name? Oh, I wondered that too. <laughs> I, like all they needed to do was have a little collar on him or something like yeah. that, but they did not. So because I'm like, did he speak it to the dog? But the dog can't communicate. Yeah, the dog so can. that was very frustrating to me. <laughs> okay, so. This is a film that's set in Spain and, and is like following sort of something that's a custom of Spain, right? Mm-hmm. So it really bothered me that almost every main character was white and, and certainly no Hispanic main characters. You mean the voice actors or the characters? The voice actors. Uh, the, and it, was, it was troubling to me. I think there's a lot of Spanish. There was a lot of Spanish voice actors, no main characters. And the closest we get are two of the hedgehogs are. But for the most part, it's like John Cena, Kate McKinnon, David Tennant, Jeremy Sisto is the dad. And so for a while it bothered me. And then they brought in, yeah, the David Tennant character, this this Scottish or Irish bull. And then they had like the German horses. And I was like, okay, I guess if different types of animals have different accents, maybe this is okay. Yeah. But... The only, for the most part, the only roles that were given to Hispanic actors were like these sort of very small side parts. All of the humans that you see are are portrayed as Spanish, as you would think they would, except for that baby that got thrown up in the air. It seemed <laughs> to be like this lily white, blonde haired baby. Yeah. And just there for the flower festival. Just there for the flower fest. But to me, it's like really weird, like kind of messaging. So when I, when I think about animal rights films, I think about which audience is going to take this in. An American audience, for sure. That's where we saw it. Hopefully, I mean, I don't want to say hopefully, but presumably it will air elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's focusing on a custom that people in America like most of us seem to think as you brought up think that it's not a good thing think of it as this horrific thing but it's also a thing that another country does because they're barbaric and they're not as advanced as the united states like that and that's not my words but that's like how this is often brought up this is how often unfortunately a lot of animal advocates portray this thing so i don't think the film does any favors by portraying all the animals generally speaking as americans as like white people and there's a few you know there's like anthony anderson and stuff but for the most part like none of them are animals from that culture portrayed by people from that culture and you have all these scenes of the people that are from that culture doing voice acting chasing these animals they're the ones that want to hurt these animals and so i found that to be pretty pretty troubling it it reminded me of uh, like do you see Kubo and the Two Strings? No. It takes place, I believe, in Japan, and it's like there's like a samurai warrior voiced by Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and like Charlize Theron, and it's the same thing where like I think like George Takai, who I guess R.I.P. He's a scumbag now too, but like George Takai is like one of the only like main people that has any sort of like actual role, and even his role is like pretty small. And I don't know. It was just like. How hard is it? I feel like there's been enough outrage over whitewashing in Hollywood and animated characters being given to white people that aren't portraying characters from that particular culture. How come they can't get this right? 
Like, like John Cena was a great choice for this, again, given his physique, but I'm just like, why can't this role go to other people that are more accurate for this role? Yeah, and all of the, even, like, all of the characters didn't have, no one had a Spanish accent, except for, like you said, some of the humans that were then, like, chasing after them would speak in Spanish occasionally, which yeah. was this weird thing also where people... Like the humans kind of switched back and forth between speaking in English and speaking in Spanish. It was yeah. almost like if it was important for you to know the dialogue, they spoke in English with like no accent. Yeah. And if if it didn't matter, if it's what, what's the the subtitle phrase like indistinct chatter or something yeah. like that. It was just that. Yeah, it was just Spanish. Yeah. So I feel like that wasn't a good look. As much as I delight in some of the actors that they did choose, it, it just felt off and it just feels like they got to do better and they need to do better yeah yeah so that i agree so that really bugged me and i think that in that regard perhaps it can be a negative thing for animal rights because it allows american audiences to distance themselves Mm. from this like yes they it might perhaps convince them that bullfighting is more horrific than they had previously thought and maybe as i said it's a way for them to be like animals value their lives and will do what they can to get away from pain. But I think in general, it's like, oh, here's a film about this this foreign practice to us and we don't participate in that. And yeah. what we do here is fine. Like yeah. there's no implication about food in the film whatsoever other than the slaughterhouse thing. But they never really even connect that to humans consuming the food or, yeah, they, you know, it, yeah. it's very abstract kind of concept of the chop house mm-hmm. and you're going to die there and. So so I feel like in that regard, it could do, it, maybe not even for the animal rights, but maybe just for like xenophobia, it would, it would have negative consequences. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And I don't, you know, obviously like a five-year-old kid probably isn't going to pick up on those things, but also it could be a very subtle thing that, that sort of, you know, adds to many, many pieces of part of the puzzle. This is a little piece of that puzzle yeah. that's adding to them having certain attitudes as they grow up or adds to cultural attitudes that we have. So mm-hmm. I, I found that to be particularly troubling. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't think about that, but you are correct, Andy. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> I guess with, with all of that said, I'll ask the question I always ask. <laughs> Who is this for? Who is this for? Babies. Babies. <laughs> Certainly, it is apparently for parents that sit on their phone the entire time in the movie theater. <laughs> Sending a bad message to the kids. <laughs> Would you... So, you were, like, lukewarm on the film. When when yeah. we were guessing what Rotten Tomatoes gave it, you guessed a 70. I assume that's kind of what your feeling about the yeah. film was. It's a 70. I gave it an 80. Because I did think it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But... I think that the biggest reason why i would promote this movie would be its messaging about masculinity yeah yeah masculinity and yeah i don't know if the 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 themes of pacifism really shine through and i don't know if i'm really someone that's even interested in promoting pacifism anyway but i do think that the message of be yourself which is a pretty standard children's film message i guess but i think specifically the masculinity messages Mm -hmm. which i think are are the most overt and the ones that like young people are most likely to pick up on for that reason i wouldn't slap it out of someone's hand if they're about to put (laughs) it in but it's not a you must run out and see this film. It's so amazing right now. But Correct. for someone that is able to sort of discern these themes and pick up and, and dissect the problematic nature of various things and uh, can separate those things out, totally, totally fine way to kill an, an hour and 47 minutes. I laughed a bunch. Kate McKinnon, if you love Kate McKinnon, she's in top form here. Mm-hmm. So so for that reason, yeah, I would I'd give it a solid like B minus kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah b minus c plus kind of thing so could do could do worse still but, passing but still passing john cena uh, you know as pleasant as ever so. <laughs> so with that said uh we would love to know what all the beardos think about this if you've seen this film you have an opinion on it and you want us to know what that opinion is please send us an email to the bearded vegans at gmail.com and um, follow us up on uh, instagram and facebook as well yeah you don't got anything coming up, Andy. We're on sabbatical right now. <laughs> That's right, we are. <laughs> so I. Th- but, but but Paul, yes. this uh, even though we're recording this super far in advance, 
the next time people hear us, it will be the year 2018. Hey! So, happy new year to Let, everybody. We hope, hope 2018 <laughs> is better than 2017. Good lord, what a dumpster <laughs> fire. What a dumpster <laughs> fire politically. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the evolution of this podcast and spending time with my good bud, Paul. Hopefully it's still available free on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> good lord. So sad. Do you, Paul, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, just keep hanging out with you, Andy. All right. I like that. Uh, I have one. Yeah. And and that is for me to inspire you to say a phrase as much as possible yeah. in the new year, at least once a week <laughs> <laughs> in perpetuity. It is The phrase is the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegan signing off. What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode one. No, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) It was all right. I probably wouldn't watch it again. It it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe hit upon more in the, the original. Shut up. Oh, thank you. Very nice. <laughs> and put like their Ferdinand branding on his stall. And so you, we were watching this promo video. They're Ferdinanding? Ferdinand branding? Ferdinand branding? It's a stretch. Right. It's a stretch ball. <laughs> and so... Maybe lose my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> Stevia. You and your puns.